Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Jack Heald is a branding and marketing consultant and has acquired a diverse range of skills and talents throughout his extensive life experience. These include being a voice artist, podcast producer, copywriter, project manager, commodities trader, digital marketer, branding consultant, radio host, oh, don't worry, we're not done yet, <laughs> content creator, teacher, software developer, stage actor, blues pianist, and public speaker. Wow. His expertise lies in assisting others in the creation, publication, and marketing of captivating content. Furthermore, he possesses an insatiable curiosity around, about the world. He is the founder of his company, Cult Your Brand, with a mission to help his clients build brand loyalty and spark a consumer cult. He has hosted several podcasts, including the one we'll be discussing today, the incredibly successful Stay Off My Operating Table podcast, hosted with his good friend, Dr. Philip Ovedia, who we hosted on episode 294 of Boundless Body Radio. I was also fortunate enough to be hosted on that amazing show in June of 2022. Jack holds a deep affection for Scotch whiskey, powerful motorcycles, and his beloved wife. You can find Jack on his website at www.cultyourbrand.com and also on Twitter at JackHealed5. Jack Healed, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. God, that guy sounds like he has trouble keeping a job. <laughs> He's got mild form of ADHD or something. I don't know. Oh, man. God. Do you know how difficult it was to put that introduction together? Like my first sentence always has to be like, who is this person? I'm like, I don't, I don't know where to start. Like, he's done everything. I think he was an astronaut. He won the Super Bowl once. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what I haven't done that I really want to do? I would love to conduct a symphony orchestra. Oh, I just, man. oh my God. Can you imagine? Um, you know, my act, my formal degree is actually in music composition. Yes, he, he, he actually got a degree. He was able to to pay attention long enough to come up with a degree. Um, so I have a deep appreciation for for the skills required to be a musician uh, in a symphony orchestra. These are the people who are the the tippity toppity of the tippity toppity in the world. And a typical symphony orchestra, at least a, a modern symphony orchestra, is over 100 musicians. Can you imagine having 100 people who are the best at what they do in the whole world looking at you and waiting for you to go? Crazy. Yeah. Oh, it would be what amazing. A, what a rush. I don't think I have to do it, but once, but once would be once would be awesome. <laughs> this is not opinion. This is not subjective. Objectively, the best theme song of any sport or sporting event is the Formula One theme song. And there's a video of the of the symphony playing it. And it, it's awesome. I could watch it a thousand times. And you're right. Like there's there's all these components. You see all the musicians. There's a there's a choir, a vocal component that he's like yeah, it's it's incredible. So yeah, that would be a very cool experience. That would be one that you would have to do and not one that I could ever do. <laughs> I'll tell you that. You should you should put the link to that in the show notes. I too, absolutely will. People like me are gonna go, oh, I wonder what that is. Of course, they will immediately, before going any farther in the podcast, go off and listen to it and completely forget what they were yep, doing. Exactly. So maybe exactly. Don't do that. I don't know. <laughs> After this conversation <laughs> is done, be sure to check the show notes. <laughs> right. Uh <laughs> 
This is not the first conversation that you and I have had together. Um, I was doing a second podcast surely because I really loved the process of podcasting. It's something I had to go out and learn how to do on my own. And I really enjoyed doing it. And like you, like podcasting has taught me so many things in my life. And you and I had a conversation on that show that I just went back and, and re-listened to. Um, I, did, I didn't have the time or energy to keep that thing going. But um, man, that was a fun process. And we had a really cool conversation. I think I'll, I'll link that one in the notes as well, because anybody could go back and listen and learn all kinds of stuff about communicating and listening and some of the things that we talked about, regardless of whether you have your own podcast or not. Um, it was really interesting to go back. And so I really appreciated our conversation then. And I know today's conversation will be very interesting as well. Well, it's, it's fun to talk to, to interesting people. And you're an interesting person. <laughs> regardless of what they're, regardless of what they what they have to say. I met a guy, my best friend is a professional musician. I went and heard him gig last week. And, um, a table, one table away from us, there's this couple sitting and they're hooting and hollering as Matthew is singing. And, uh, I just kind of got the impression that they were fans. And so I went over and introduced myself. Hey, are you a fan of Matthew? I'm a fan, you know? Yeah, we are. And we got to talking and this guy ended up being wildly interesting. Um, I actually had a gig last night and he came and heard me and it's just, when you're curious about the world and about people, you get to to find all kinds of cool things. Yeah. And of course, if you're not careful, I will uh, um, hijack this conversation and God knows where I will take us. That sounds great to me. <laughs> I can mute myself. It's easy. <laughs> you know, well, I, I remember um, it was early 1980s. I was going, I lived in North Austin at 183 and Lamar, which is now the intersection of two freeways, I think, but back then it wasn't. And I was walking through a, a bookstore called The Bookstop, which I'm not sure is there anymore. And on the remainder table, kids, a bookstore, I don't have to explain all of this, but um, <laughs> on the remainder table, I saw that this title of a book, it said, How to Build a Flying Saucer When So Many Others Have Tried and Failed, Adventures in Speculative Engineering. And parenthetically, wouldn't it be fun to write a book with a title that long? Amazing. Anyway, I thought, wow, that'd be cool. So I, I'm promiscuously curious. I picked it up. I started reading and it set me down this path that I was probably already on anyway, which was, um, as a rule, if the experts say it, I assume it's false. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, just kind of observing how the world seems to work. That's perfect. Um, and I discovered, uh, I discovered, uh, Emmanuel Velikovsky through that with his alternative history of, of, uh, earth's geology, the, the galaxy's history. And that took me in a myriad of other directions. And what's fascinating, I love to tell this, tell about this. Velikovsky's book was books were published in the early fifties. Um, back in those days, textbook publishers were the most powerful publishers in the world. And Velikovsky's theories flatly contradicted the accepted um, official story of, oh, my wife just walked in, uh, the official story of, of Earth's history, Earth's geology, the planet's history, the, the solar system's history, explicitly um, uh, contradicted all of that stuff. And they the these textbook publishers threatened his his publisher 
if you if you publish these books, we will no longer do business with you. So he was he was a, a, a an almost victim of cancellation long before cancellation was a thing. Um, and also keep in mind, this is the early 1950s before there was a space program. His background was in uh, he was a, a, a expert in ancient languages or something like that. And he had been traveling around the world. And much like Joseph Campbell, he was interested in, in these common stories with from ancient peoples around the world. And he kept finding common stories in, in these ancient languages. Um, and he said, hmm, if these people who'd, who'd had no connection with each other all over the world have stories that have a, kind of a, a similar theme and plot, maybe maybe they've got a foundation in reality. And one of the things that was very common was a was a, a flood story, a catastrophic flood story. Long story, uh, slightly shorter than the whole thing. That led him to, to speculate that if these stories actually have a foundation in truth, then there are there are certain geological factors that must uh, that we must account for. Um, and he went went looking for them, and sure enough, he found them. And he said, "Well, if that's true, then this must be true. And if that's true, then this must be true." I don't want to to give away the whole thing, but one of the things he did was he speculated about this. Sounds crazy, but the makeup of the atmosphere of the planet Venus. Okay. Now, how did an ancient philologist come up with this? You'll have to read the books, but this is, this was long before we had the ability to test this, right? Well, guess what happened in the mid eighties? We put a probe onto the planet Venus and guess what they found out? <laughs> Velikovsky was right. No way. Way. Wow. Um, and, and this is, this just, kind of reinforced my basic bias that that whatever the official story is of anything is probably not true yeah. and that may be why i've had however many <laughs> jobs and careers i've had as i'm a loose cannon i guess uh, that's great well i mean that's a perfect segue to what you are doing now i think Telling people that you are the co-host of the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast for our listeners is probably not going to be a huge surprise. Um, I can only listen to a handful of podcasts on a regular basis and not really miss an episode. And so I'm very choosy, right? Like since we do so many podcasts, I've got to do podcasts listening to what their content is to really be up on what they're doing. And so I, I don't have many, but Stay Off My Operating Table Stay off my operating tables one. I don't miss an episode. Um, I, I really that. I really enjoy it. You guys came up with a really, really good format. Again, I don't think we're surprising anybody to know that you're part of that. You talk about yourself as the lay person. You talk about yourself. I've heard you say this is your words, not mine, the village idiot. Um, and it's positioned yep. where you are coming onto the show especially in the beginning, like somewhat naive of some of this stuff. And you're, you're presenting with Dr. Oveda, who is a heart surgeon. And so it looks like, you know, he's this ultra smart dude in, in, you know, medical research. And then it's you kind of asking questions and being curious and bringing it down to the layperson. The format is incredible. Again, if you have not listened, wait until this one's done and then go over and listen to stay off my operating table and go subscribe. <laughs> it's really, really good. But I want to kind of skip ahead in your own personal health story to when, that started. Can you tell us the nexus of Stay Off My Operating Table podcast, the idea, you know, working with Philip Ovedia at the time? And then with that, let's kind of thread in your own personal health story and, and the things that I guess you kind of learned along the way. Uh, it's going to sound like I'm not answering your question. Have you seen the uh, 
TV show, This Is Us? Yes. Uh, you know how it goes? It jumps around in time, and yet they somehow managed to make it all fit together. The first, like, four um, episodes, I was so confused, and I would just cry every episode because it was, like, so emotional, but I didn't know, like, what fit where. Yes. I, I'm actually very careful about when I watch episodes now because they are so emotionally compelling. <laughs> and there's days when I'm like, I don't feel like crying today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I bring that up because I, I'm probably going to jump around in time. Uh, Phil came to me, God, how long have we been doing this? I want to say summer of 22. Uh, you, you were on the show very early. I was in 22. I think you'd been doing it before that. I want to say 21. Uh, it may have been 21. Phil came to me. We were both in this men's group together. And um, he just kind of put out the word, hey, I'm, I, I want to start a podcast. Is, can, can, can you help me produce it? Or can you produce it for me? I, uh, in addition to hosting my own podcasts, I've done a lot of production as well. Um, so I said, yeah, sure. I'm happy to help you <clears throat> fully expecting that all I was going to do was help produce it, which is for those of you who don't know what that means, I wouldn't be on the microphone. That's the, that's the significant part. So, uh, Phil's idea was he had his book coming out. Um, and he was just kind of, kind of going to go through the book, the first few episodes and I'm a born performer. I, I love radio. I fell in love with radio as a, as a young teenager, K E L I A M rock radio out of Tulsa, Oklahoma was my first, really my first love. In fact, the first job I really wanted, I wanted to write the radio jingle where they went K E L I. I thought, how cool would it be? Somebody actually wrote that to have your music that you wrote where they say the radio call station, uh, letters to the music you wrote. Um, so I've done, I, you know, I've done radio. I've done, I've done space. I'm, I'm very comfortable performing and being in front of people. Phil, it was so funny. We had Georgia, Dr. Georgia Ede on the podcast yesterday. And uh, if you haven't had her. Sweetheart. Her. It's the last episode um, I just dropped. Sweetheart. Oh my gosh. Um, and they were talking about how, in their work, they don't have to talk a lot and being doing the podcast has kind of pushed them out of their comfort zone. In fact, uh, one of them, I think it was Dr. Dr. Ede said, uh, or maybe it was Phil said, you know, uh, as a surgeon, I don't have to worry about my patients talking to me. Um, and frankly, when we did the early, uh, practice episodes for the podcast, it was obvious Phil was not used to doing this. Yeah. And, you know, we were friends. We were in this, this men's group together. I wanted to see him succeed. And I, I was just really frank with him. I said, Phil, this is not going to work. Um, and let me make a suggestion. And where the, here's where the suggestion came from. When he came to me and said, would you produce my podcast? I said, under one condition. You appear on my podcast and answer every question I have. And I wanted to ask, I, I had these beliefs about the, the, the medical community that I wanted an insider to answer. He agreed to do that. He appeared on my podcast. He answered all my questions, honestly and forthrightly. And most importantly to this story, he was actually engaging as we had the conversation back and forth, he and I, 
And so when it came time for him to do his podcast and it's just him alone on the microphone, he's not comfortable with it and it wasn't good. And I knew people would just turn it off. And I said, look, here's, let me suggest I'll co-host with you because when we, when we conversed, it was very good. Um, and in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to be like training wheels. I'm going to teach him to ride. And once he's figures it out, he'll take the training wheels off and I'll be behind the mic and no big deal. Um, I don't really know how it happened, but this just turned into the highlight of my week because he gets these awesome guests and people like Casey Ruff as well. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, No, he gets these awesome guests doing cool things who have um, counter narrative views on, on all kinds of stuff, but most of it has to do with health and, I I not only get to listen to them, but I get to ask them the questions that occur to me. Uh, you know, one of the things that's been a, a, a continuing frustration to me most of my adult life, I remember in the early 80s, um, I used to listen to, obviously, listen to the radio all the time. And the news would come on and there was always a, a finance, a financial section to the news. And the financial reporter would come on and say, the Dow was up 30 points today. On news that blah, 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 blah. And I remember thinking, what, what are you talking about? The, the, Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Index is just simply the, a, a compilation of the 30 biggest stocks and the prices of those 30 biggest stocks. And the prices go up and down based on the decisions, the individual unique decisions of millions of people. You didn't interview a million people to find out why they bought or sold whatever you're 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 making stuff up there's no possible way that that's that that's factual and you know 40 years of listening to that kind of of idiocy and lunacy passing is fact I, I just i learned not to believe it and as i would sit and listen to it i wanted to ask those questions well now now tell me how you came up with that that's the reason that that this index went up. Tell me how come uh, the economic news is is this, and why are you not reporting on that? Or how come you chose to report on this instead of that? Isn't this other thing? But, you know, when it's one-way broadcasting, you can't ask those questions. Well, with a podcast, it's not one way. I get to sit there and I get to ask the questions. And it's, God, it's fun. It's addictive. We've been doing it. I don't know. We we just did episode 130, I think, yesterday. Um, and I get to be on every single one of them and I get to ask those questions. And I, I've, you know, I kind of, well, not kind of, I take my role as a proxy for the everyman pretty seriously. And I'm assuming if a question occurs to me, it's probably occurring to Joe Sixpack who's listening to it. Um, and more than that, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm become conscious of, even if I don't have a question, because I've heard a lot of this stuff over and over again now, um, there's I'm conscious that there's people who probably are just coming into it. And what were the questions I had at the beginning? And what would I be asking? So I try to I try to um, play that role for for all the listeners who aren't medical professionals. I figure Phil can handle the the medical professional side of it. I'm the I'm the Joe Sixpack side. <laughs> 
I, for one, really appreciate that. And I've been in this space for several years now. I, you know, you guys have awesome guests. I'm familiar with a lot of them. A lot of them we've hosted on our show, but there's, I have simple questions. Things pass me by or I forget things. And so you do bring it down to be very well understood. And I really appreciate that about you. I'm curious because I think this will probably tell us a little bit about your own health history kind of coming into doing this show. What, if we go back to the episode where you hosted Phil and you got to ask him anything you wanted about the medical industry, what were some of the questions you had? What did you ask him? Oh, I asked him things like, uh, so what'd they teach you about nutrition? Uh, and of course his answer was almost nothing. Um, I, I think I asked him, um, if you asked the kinds of questions of your professors that you ask today, uh, would they allow you to stay in medical school? And the answer of course was no, absolutely not. Um, uh, you know, a lot of those questions have, have, I've let them go because I finally got, I, I, I had a lot of my suspicions confirmed. And once, once I had an insider say, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, it, it, it confirmed that where I, where I was, uh, working from what I assumed were, were the, the facts, uh, were by and large true. I didn't trust medical professionals. I can remember in the late nineties, I went in to see, uh, my, uh, primary care physician. The man was, um, morbidly obese. Um, every time I went in to see him, uh, I walked out with a prescription for either an antibiotic, uh, some sort of, uh, decongestant or antihistamine or something. I can't remember one of those two things or both. That was literally it. I, I walked in, regardless of what the problem was, I walked out with a prescription. And I can remember sitting in his office one time looking at this massive belly and thinking to myself, you don't know anything about health, obviously. Um, and I knew before I even made the appointment, what was going to happen was uh, I'm going to walk out of here with, an, with a prescription for erythromycin or amoxicillin. Why do I need you? And, uh, good God, I lost the question, Casey. (laughs) No, it was perfect. It was just asking what kinds of questions you had up to that point and relating it back to your own personal health story. It sounds like there was just the bullshit meters were were going off constantly from what seemed like if you already knew what the appointment was going to be and what you were going to end up with it, you're right. Like, why, why do I need you? What's going on? Yeah, I can remember early eighties, um, the experts in air quotes, uh, told us that, uh, eggs and butter were bad for us and margarine was good for us. And, uh, my then wife and I at the time looked at each other and said, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's just no way that's true. I said, and in fact, I said, I don't care if butter is bad for me. I am not going through life eating margarine. I hate margarine. <laughs> I'm eating butter. Um, and of course, you know, 40 years later, we know it was all complete bullshit. Um, but you know, I, I can remember as a child, I can remember my mom complaining about our PCP at the time saying, every time we go, she prescribes antibiotics. 
I think she's over-prescribing antibiotics. And she was. Um, and I've, I, you know, later in life, I've realized my mom is a real rebel. She, she, uh, she masquerades as somebody who, who plays inside the, the lines, but she likes to be outside the lines and I'm just like her. <laughs> um, so I came by it honestly and, and 25 ish years as an adult of, of not really having a decent alternative to the normal medical system. Um, 2005, uh, my marriage ended. I was under extraordinary stress. Um, one of the cool things I've learned on Ovadia's show is that the kind of stress I was under, it's not merely mental or merely psychological effects. It has physiological effects that are absolutely detrimental to your physiology. Um, God knows I was feeling it in my body. And, uh, you know, this was actually the last time I went to a normal doctor. I walked in, made an appointment, walked in, explained that this guy, I don't know. He may have spent 10 minutes with me. I think I'm exaggerating. He was the single most unhealthy human being I had ever seen in my life. Um, the, the complaint I had was, uh, a gastric reflux, you know, just nonstop, uh, acid stomach. And, uh, so anybody who's been through the system knows what he did. He prescribed something to reduce my, my stomach's ability to produce acid. And, uh, I walked out of there thinking this guy's an idiot. And he, he, he didn't, he, he made no effort to figure out what's the root cause. Why is your body overproducing hydrochloric acid in your stomach? Just, oh, well, you're producing hydrochloric acid. Here's a pill that'll make you produce less hydrochloric acid. It's a great idea. You know, it, it's, it's like giving somebody with a, hey, there's a bone sticking out of your leg. Oh, here's a pill that'll make it not hurt. Well, whoop-de-freaking-do. <laughs> I want the bone not sticking out of my skin. Um, <clears throat> and that set me down uh, a, a very serious pursuit of alternative medicine. I ended up with a naturopath who was able to, he spent, good God, I think he spent an hour interviewing me my first visit, Amazing. asking me all kinds of stuff that um, my first thought was, how in the world does this have anything to do with what I'm talking about? And, oh, by the way, yeah, you're right. These things are happening in my body. How did you know? Yeah. Well, I've since found out this is a guy who understood how things are, are connected. And he brought me back to health. Yeah. And uh, that was 19 years ago. Thank He's God. been my primary care physician for 19 years. Wow. Saved my life. Yeah. Um, I actually found out that my, my health was... Uh, I was one good emotional jolt from uh, a possibly fatal heart attack. Wow. Wow. I had no idea, but. Ironic, you know. now that you're the host of the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. <laughs> Very ironic. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so wild. Uh, some, sometimes it seems like, you know, the there's, there's a, uh, there are these rhythms, these energies, these something in the universe, kind of like the waves in, in, in the ocean that things just get carried along with them and get organized in ways that we wouldn't have guessed. 
And my life kind of looks like that. It's <laughs> amazing. I love that. It's so I'm, good I'm, I'm, I realize I'm a nutty. I'm I sound a little nutty, but no, that's fantastic. <laughs> It's fantastic. I like my life. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. It's funny you mentioned the stress thing and how it can have physical manifestations. The first thing I thought of was gut. I'll bet he had some type of a gut issue. We know the link and how strong it is, gut health and stress and all that stuff. So interesting that that was one of the things you were dealing with. So so we go to the show, and I always have this thought of, like, if somebody is naive to this information, what, what they might be thinking. And I don't know how much about this stuff. Obviously you had sniffed out the medical system was bullshit several years ago, found your naturopath almost two decades ago, you know, at least we're taking steps in the right direction. I'm not sure how much you knew about it, but I, I like to put myself in the position of somebody hearing this information for the first time, what they might be considering. And it happens a lot when I'm listening to an audiobook that's not narrated by the author. Obviously the author mm -hmm. knows everything that he wrote. Someone else got hired to be there and read this thing. And you just, you just wonder like whoever's reading Gary Taub's book or Nina Teichel's book, did they, were there, were their heads exploding? Was that at least one life that was maybe changed or this is my job. And I don't care whether they're talking about nutrition or paint chips or automobiles. It, it, I'm just going to read the words and I'm going to leave. So, so I want to go back again, beginning of the show. You've told me before, because I've asked you, were you genuine in saying like, I didn't know that. That's really amazing. Can you elaborate on that? It sounded genuine, but again, I could look at this and say like, okay, I think there must be some type of compensation. If Philip is, you know, the expert and he needs help with podcasting, he's maybe, maybe he's feigning it. Is he interested? Like, like what, what was that experience, especially in the beginning of, were you learning this information? Did you know it all? Like, what was that like? Well, I've been a stage actor and I'm not any good. <laughs> uh, um, the last role I had uh, 10, 11, 12 years ago, um, I can remember when the show ended thinking, well, I got that out of my system. Um, I just, I, I'd wanted to do it. I did it. It wasn't particularly good. And uh, um, on I went. So I say all that to say, I love performing, but when I'm behind a microphone, I'm not playing somebody else. I'm me. I'm really good at being me. I'm not particularly good at pretending to be anybody else. I'm just not. Um, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I do, um, I do a lot of voiceover work. Um, and I've got a client right now that needs some male voiceover talent. And, uh, my partner on the, on it said, Hey, do you think you could do this? I said, no. Um, if you need radio announcer guy, I can do that. I do a lot of that. If you need me to play a character, I'm not wired that way. That's just not how I work. So when I say, wow, I didn't know that it's because, wow, I didn't know that. And oftentimes it might be the third or fourth time I've heard something and it finally clicks in and I go, Oh, Oh, that's why that's that way. Oh, I get it. Oh, wow. I mean, with Dr. Ede yesterday, my God, she was talking about, uh, it sounds like this is a pitch for the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast uh, featuring uh, Phil Lovadia with our guest, Dr. Georgia Ede. Yes, please listen to that one. Absolutely. Anyway, um, she talks about um, the process of finding the appropriate med for her psychiatric patients and how utterly unscientific the whole thing is. 
And, you know, again, it's kind of the same. I suspected as much, but to hear somebody on the inside who knows, not somebody like me on the outside who's just kind of observing the shadows and the outlines and the images of things and saying, hey, this is what it looks like from, from where I stand, but somebody who's actually on the inside saying, oh, yeah, we have no idea if any, if any of this is going to work. And Dr. Ede said it'll take sometimes one or two years before before they find a medication that will help their patient alleviate the the worst of their symptoms. And she said in her in her correct forgive me if I'm if I'm if I'm misreporting here. I think I got this right. She said within the psychiatric industry, they don't talk about healing because people don't get well. They just manage the severity of the of of the sim- symptoms. Um, I suspected as much all along, but when she confirmed it, I was just like, oh, wow. Just about the time I think it couldn't be any worse, somebody says, yep, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, okay, so your guests are amazing. Before we talk about some of them, uh, you said it was Phil who primarily is getting the guests. Do you do any like research getting guests? I mean, obviously you know, there's, there's guests of a certain caliber that you just know they're going to be incredible. Like myself, you know what I mean? Like you already know the content's going to be absolutely wonderful. If you host me that that's a, that's a oh, softball. Yeah, you like, know what I mean? God, we got Casey Ruff. What? Oh, wow. Amazing. Um, is it, is it mostly Phil that's get like finding well, the guests? Um, um, we're at a point now, obviously where people are approaching us to try to be on the show. I get a lot of that. Hey, you should have my friend who, developed this amazing salve for burns and uh, you know there it's like yeah we get 10 a day um, yeah um phil's team um he he has a team of people there's no possible way this man could be a heart surgeon and do all the other stuff that he's doing um So he's got a team of people who handle all of the, basically all the stay off my operating table business, except the podcast creation and production. And I'm, I'm responsible for the part you see and well, that's it. I'm responsible for the part you see other than getting the guests. Mostly I've, I've landed a couple of guests just because I've sent Phil a a note and said, Hey, this person looks like they'd be good. What do you think? But mostly it's people that he and his team um, are able to secure. Um, we're booked out right now. This is the second day. This is February 2nd, and I know we're booked into May. Um, so, that's great. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I, and frankly, you know, this is not my, this is not my job. I, I do this one or two times a week, um, and I'm putting, I don't know, well, you do you do podcast production. You know the work involved. I'm doing that, but I love it. I'm having a ball because I get to talk to these people. The bulk of my time is spent with my real business, uh, which is you know I'm a marketing and branding consultant. Yeah. Um, and I don't have time yeah. to to track people down. Cool. But but once you know once I get notification, hey, we're having this person on this date and this time, I go and do research because I like to I like to know who I'm talking to. I can remember. Uh, we've had in the last oh three months we've had two different sleep specialists on and obviously the jokes just write themselves and we're going to have a sleep specialist on it but but i really did i really did remember thinking oh god this is going to be 
how are we going to make this interesting? How is anybody going to listen to this? How am I going to listen to this? And as it turned out, these these folks were really interesting. It was really cool. So, um, you know, we've had guests who on on you know on a one to ten, we've had maybe two guests who were a five or a six in terms of interesting and exciting. And but by and large, everybody's an eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's astonishing, and it's really, you know, like I said, I'm promiscuously curious, and I'd love to. to listen and ask questions and I get to. So, so cool. we could be talking about things I know even less about, you know, like, I don't know, uh, how a turbocharger works on a, on an internal combustion engine. And I don't know anything about that, but if there was somebody who knew what the heck they were talking about, I'd probably end up being interested and want to ask them questions. Yeah. I, you mean it's in fact, no, I'm not going to go down that road. See, <laughs> rabbit trail. This there we is... go. No, it's great. And, and so on the note of your guests, obviously we've shared a lot of the same people. Dr. Sean Baker, yeah. Dr. Chafee, uh, Dr. Georgia Ede, really good examples. We can go down the list. But I, I made a list of special people who I was introduced to for the first time through your show. So Dr. John Ferreira, all about um, ADHD, fantastic. Um Paul Kolodzik, excuse me, all about the continuous glucose monitor. Christy Woods did the same kind of metabolic testing that I did, how I found low carbohydrate to begin with. Kirsty Woods, excuse me. Nary Masissian, I've got to meet her in person. She's amazing. Chris Cornell, Molly Eastman. Isn't she cool? Oh, she's so cool. She's great. Chris Cornell is amazing. I've got to meet him in person. Um, Molly Eastman is, is one of the sleep specialists. She'll be on our show yeah, soon. Sleep so sleep specialist. I've, I've poached. She was really good. I can't oh wait. Oh my God. I get to interview her, I believe, next month. So we'll be hosting her soon as well. And these are all people that I've been introduced to because of your show. And one in particular I really wanted to point out, Andy Schoonover, who is the CEO of Crowd Health. This was particularly special and important to me as somebody who has been, uh, you know, unemployed from a corporate job since the pandemic had to start our own business and health insurance is absurd, absurd. This year, the cheapest Obamacare plan for my wife and I was, I want to say it was like 650 or $700 a month for the two of us with a, a $10,000 deductible. So you would be paying 18,000, 20,000 before this the insurance kicked in and even then it was like 50% co-pays. We don't go to the doctor. That's insane. But if I get clobbered by a truck when I'm riding my bike, like I'm going to need some health insurance. I have now been a member of crowd health for the last three months. I have been able to personally pay my own money to help other people in this community with an injury, with some type of a sickness and with a pregnancy. The community has been pooling resources together to help other people it feels amazing to me. I can do it for about a hundred bucks a month. What an incredible experience. And I would not have known that human if it weren't for your show. Isn't that cool? Man. I just saw, I just saw Andy is, uh, God, where was he? He was, he was on something with a massive audience. And I was like, good. Andy, yes. yay. Good. Andy. Um, uh, I think I think Jack Murphy is uh, has started a similar uh, setup. Um, I could be wrong about that. the The other one you should know is Virgie Bright Ellison, Doctor Virgie Bright Ellison, uh, with uh, Crush Medical Debt. Um, she actually helped me. I I uh, ended up in the emergency room a couple of years ago, 
And uh, I was in there for, I don't know, two hours, got an $18,000 bill. <laughs> you know, what did they do? Uh, they gave me a painkiller. They took a couple of tests, said I was okay, and sent me home. $18,000. Wow. And uh, she, she understands what's really going on and how to deal with it. Um, uh, and, she, you know, she's a medical doctor. She got... She went down that path because she ended up on the patient side of the whole medical fiasco system and um, went, oh, my God, I had no idea and started investigating. And as it turns out, uh, these bills are for all intents and purposes fiction. Nonsense. And um, at the end of the day, I think what I what what had I been a Medicare payee? In other words, government Medicare was paying this bill. The hospital would have accepted $1,800 and said, we're good. Wow. So they billed me 10 times what they would accept from the government. And the government says, we won't pay a dime more than this. Um, gosh, you guys, get, get, get Dr. Virgie Bright Ellison on. And uh, send your listeners to uh, crushmedicaldebt.com, I yeah. think is the name of it. That she's, sounds... she's just a, I think she's a national treasure, frankly. Um, if you're in Canada or, 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 you know, one of those other godforsaken places, it's not going to help you. But if you're an American citizen dealing with the American medical system, you need to know what she has to tell you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We'll definitely be reaching out to her. That sounds amazing. I want to ask if you had any like special guests, but before I do, I want to ask you about one guest in particular besides Andy. Can you tell us sure. a little bit about your recent episode with a teenager named Grace? Grace Price. Wow. <laughs> um, this was, this was another one. Um, I get the notification in my email. Uh, we're having this guest on named Grace Price. And my typical procedure is, okay, I, I look at it. Sometimes there's contact information. Sometimes there's not. I just start researching. Um, and uh, it turns out that this girl's got a Twitter account. So I fall, I go to her Twitter profile, and there's a link on her profile to this documentary that she's apparently making. And I look at it, and it's like, okay, I mean, it seems interesting. But the deeper I go, I find out she's a high school student. And, and and literally, I'm thinking to myself, Phil, what are you thinking? What are we doing? Have a high school student on this show? We have, you know, we had Dr. Tom Seafried, who's at the cutting edge of cancer research on the show. We've had Dr. Chris Palmer, who is at the cutting edge of mental health research on this show. We have had the best in the world at whatever they're doing making dramatic differences in in how we recover from disease and get healthy why do we have a high school student on i just i don't get it and you know she is a high school student so there wasn't a lot of information on her i'm like okay well hang on let's see what happens well it turns out um this girl goes to an, an interesting, uh, a unique high school where they don't have teachers. They have adult, uh, like mentors who guide them. They spend two hours a day in their, uh, core subjects. And then the rest of the day, they are, 
encouraged and empowered to pursue a passion project. And they tell them, uh, make this an Olympic level passion project. You know, we don't want your passion project to build to be, I want to find a better way to trim my eyebrows. It needs to be big. And she decided on uh, preventing cancer and started doing the research and has the, the, the guides, the mentors to help her learn how to read research papers. And so she's done that. And long story short, she didn't say anything that I didn't hear from any of our other guests. What made it extraordinary was that it was coming out of the mouth of an 18-year-old who is concerned about her generation, her friends. And she talked about the way they eat and how the messaging that they are bombarded with about this kind of eating, uh, the utter and complete lack of any kind of information countering the the narrative about you know health. Um, and she's wanting to get the message out to her peers. And part of what excited me about this is when you're 18, 19, 20, you're already you're you are um just by disposition inclined to rebel against whatever the previous generation has told you to do. And by and large, what the what the generation prior to hers has told her to do is going to kill them young and 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 painfully. And they're rebelling, thank God. Um, and she's she's getting the message out to her peers. She's got the support of the adults in her life and the um the educational system. I don't even know it's a system. It's just, you know, for all I know, it's probably something Elon Musk put together. She's in <laughs> Austin. <laughs> and I remember as as that show wound up, I, I can remember thinking, I have never been so encouraged and so filled with hope for the future as I am listening to this 18-year-old talk, say the same things that all these medical researchers and specialists and genius and doctors and, and you know, even the, the uh, what do they call it, the citizen scientists um, who do brilliant work. But to have a high school student get it and understand it and be able to understand the, lingu the lingo and the language and be able to, in fact, Dr. Thomas Seafried actually allowed her to come and interview him in person at his lab in Massachusetts. Um, that, that, I was impressed by that. So I, I, I would say out of 130 episodes, and we've had some fantastic ones, Grace Price was my favorite for uh -huh. that reason. Not because of, of any new information that she gave, but uh, just the, the overwhelming wave of optimism for the future that I felt the the these these young adults are rebelling against what their parents' generation handed them, just like I did. Only what their their parents' generation handed them is infinitely more idiotic and screwed up than what my parents' generation handed me. Um, and they're saying no. And they're not trying to make it more screwed up. They're trying to make it better. I mean, they really are. Yeah. 
I could go, I could rant about this, but I'm, I was ecstatic. It was so cool. I I could tell like when you were thanking her and and expressing your gratitude and also saying how hopeful you were, that came across as extremely um, genuine. And I felt the same thing listening to that. Um, It was going to be my next question to ask like favorite episodes. Is there any other like standout episodes besides mine, of course? Well, the ones I always refer people to, I, uh, um, Thomas Seafried, who's got a, a, an entirely different model for what cancer is and how it works. And, you know, spoiler alert, it tests out, (laughs) uh, Dr. Chris Palmer, um, who's, who's treating and helping people recover from, uh, um, brain dysfunction that was previously considered untreatable and unrecoverable from i'm not sure sure what the how you say that you can't recover from it um I'm, i regularly refer people to those um i've had uh one i one that that was i don't have a lot of ways to apply it myself um we had dr roshani sagani who is uh, uh, endocrinologist. She was the first and only endocrinologist we've had on the show and she practices in India. So, um, uh, our normal audience is, is not likely to hear her, but she's put together a medical practice. She, she, in much the same way that so many of these, these, uh, uh, medical practitioners have found out, she had her own health problems, did all the right things. It didn't work, did her research, discovered that, oh, you know, this is a metabolic issue. Oh, what I eat matters. And um, I did not know that India has a worse problem with diabetes and obesity than um, than North America does. I didn't know that either until she that went episode. To that. Yeah. Um, and what was really cool to me is she has built a practice um, as an endocrinologist who's treating uh, people with endocrine problems, primarily it's going to be pre-diabetic and diabetic, but also thyroid problems. And uh, I don't know what all, I'm not an endocrinologist, um, but, but not just treating them physically, but treating the spiritual side of the person, um, which I, I just love that. I, um, wow, that, that would be a whole big long rabbit hole we could we could go down but our the i think we are we are living through the death throes of um the the renaissance the scientific revolution the um the whole idea that uh molecules and atoms and protons and neutrons and electrons is all there is um I think we've come to the end of that particular uh, model of reality, and we're finding out that the the wisdom of the ancients, which was passed along through myth and through religion and uh, just kind of you know grandmother wisdom, they understood things that we've we've intentionally decided just aren't real. Yeah. And we're paying a terrible price for it. And part of the price that we're paying, we're paying physically, we're paying physiologically. Um, you know, I, I go back to 2005 when my adrenal system was 
uh, just about done. And uh, news alert, folks, if your adrenals stop functioning, you die. Um, one of the things that helps with, uh, with the adrenal system is just getting yourself calmed down. It's kind of a chicken and egg kind of thing because when the adrenals are on on high alert all the time, you you can't feel calm, and there are things that you have to do physiologically. But but there's also things that were going on with me mentally and emotionally, and and we can use the word spiritually, that contributed to the physiological stress. Prayer, as it turns out, prayer uh, has a phenomenally powerful physiological effect. Regardless of who or what you're praying to, it's a, it's a, anyway, like I said, deep rabbit hole, we could go down that one. So I was, it was really cool that Dr. Sangani is incorporating, um, um, can't remember what she called it, but, but it's basically people who can help with the non-physical side of recovering your physical health into her practice. They're literally a part of her practice. That was a big one. I loved that. And I'd have to go back and look at my list of guests because <laughs> so good. You know, there's too many, there's too many of them to, to remember, but because, uh, um, uh, brain dysfunction is so common now. Um, and because cancer is good Lord, it's what the second leading cause of death. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I can't hardly go a week without running into somebody who either, has a cancer diagnosis or has a friend or family member with a cancer diagnosis. And I will send to them, Hey, you need to listen to this. Dr. Thomas Seafried. Yep. Yep. Um, He's amazing. So He's amazing. Yeah. I, it's hard. I think, I hope you're right about the distinguishing between spiritual health, mental health, emotional health. It, it all just kind of seems to be the same thing. When I started my own personal carnivore diet about five years ago, something changed with me spiritually. I didn't join a church. I'm not Buddhist. I just, there, there is something different spiritually when my mind feels more regulated and I find joy in simple things, stupid, a tree or birds or the, the blue sky or rain or like, it's all just wonderful to me. And, and you marvel over it more than I did before. And so I can't separate the difference between physical health and mental health, emotional, all of those different things. I think if you can optimize any of them, the whole system improves. And on that note, when we look back at your journey in the last few years, co-hosting the show, what things are different in your day-to-day -day life now than they were a few years ago when you started the show? I'm, I'm definitely, I, I was, I was keto before keto was cool. Um, and I, I don't know how I ended up there other than just my particular health journey. Uh, I can remember one of the things back in 2005, when, when Dr. Krizel put me on, uh, uh, you know, helped me recover. One of the things he did, in fact, the, probably the single biggest thing he did was, okay, here's the foods you need to be eating. Here's the foods you need to not be eating at all. And here's this list in the middle with, you can do this now and then, but by and large, you want to focus on this stuff and avoid that stuff. It was fascinating to me at the time because there were all these foods on the avoid list that I can remember my whole life being told, you need to eat this. And I'd eat it and I hated it. I really didn't like it. And it, you know, I'd say, ah, it makes me, I don't like, it, it makes me feel bad. And mom would say, you know, 
eat your vegetables. And uh, gosh, it turns out my body didn't have whatever was necessary to make use of these foods that I was sticking down my pie hole. And when I quit eating those things and started eating more of the what other stuff that I was, it was, you know, that actually helped my body, I got well. <laughs> so I'd been, um, I'd been, I'd figured out probably, I want to say 2000, well, that was probably about that time. I figured out bread just is not good for me. I just, there's no point in eating it. Um, I wasn't completely avoiding uh, wheat of all kinds. I'd still do pizza. I don't know what the thinking was there, but you know, pizza. Pizza. I'm a child of the 70s. You have to eat pizza. It's a rule. Even bad um, pizza is good. Yeah. Oh God. Morning <laughs> after pizza. Oh, oh God, terrible. Oh, I, <laughs> I just loved it. Um I, I yeah, I I by and large just quit consuming wheat. And so that one knew. But what what has changed is I've gotten really really serious about um and it's more than anything i think it's conscious of eating high fat low carb and recognizing how much better i feel eating high fat low carb it's for me it's super simple um i had by and large eliminated all the almost all vegetables just simply because for me i didn't feel good when i ate them yeah um, I, you know, bananas were one of those things I said, Oh, eat your bananas. Oh, I hated bananas. They made me feel bad. Um, as it turns out, they're super high and they're super high carb. Um, so just a bunch of the things that you were supposed to eat that I just did. I, at some point I figured out this makes me feel bad. I'm not going to eat it. I don't care if it's good for me. <laughs> and I've, I grew up in, in Oklahoma. My dad's best friend was the foreman of a ranch. So we ate beef that was raised within five miles of our house Amazing. and probably, you know, slaughtered 10 minutes before we, we, we threw it on the grill. So I was, I grew up eating really good beef and I've just, you know, I'm a type, I'm a blood type. O. we we're, we're beef people. Yep. So I just, I always skewed toward that. But with Phil's show and hearing it over and over and over and over again, I was able to kind of categorize the way I like to eat into high fat, low carb. I'm no longer afraid of animal fats. Oh, big change. Vegetable oils are gone from my house. Good. Um, uh, we use, basically we use lard coconut oil and a little bit of olive oil well my, my wife says she's sitting over here she's bacon fat yeah there you go yeah um and it's astonishing i feel great you know every time i go in and have anything checked everything's good. in fact i was just in the doctor uh earlier this week for a a, a, a different related the thing that put me in the the emergency room a couple of years ago, I've got some residual effects from, from it. And he was checking me out. I said, yeah, you're healthy. Um, so the way I'm eating certainly isn't hurting me. Um, I started deadlifting again just two or three months ago. And my strength gains in just, I think it was early December now that I think about it. Um, my strength My strength gains have been quite gratifying. I've been thrilled about that. I loved deadlifting. And, um, honestly, I don't even remember why I, I stopped, but 
we interviewed, oh, there we go. Mark Ripito, uh, yeah. starting strength guy. Oh my God, that guy was fun. He's he's the one who convinced me I need to I need to start deadlifting again. So get this. Uh my wife asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, I want a barbell. And she tracked down this $300 rogue barbell. It's a really nice barbell. Um, I think, and she's like the world's greatest shopper. I think she paid a hundred dollars for it. So that's what my Christmas nice. present was. I got a cool, a really nice rogue Ohio barbell sitting just the other side of that wall right there. Uh, the previous year I bought about 400 pounds worth of, of weights because everybody was, you know, getting out of it. So I had a buttload of weights. Somebody asked me if that was a technical term and I've always felt like it was, I, but so. I don't know what exact, I don't know what the exact quantity is. So yeah, low fat, uh, low, low carb, high fat, um, real serious about, uh, the resistance training. Um, uh, you know, something else that with, with the, and it's not just the sleep specialists who talked about this. It's, you know, Dr. Ovedia talks about it, but many of them talk about um, the importance of sleep. And uh, I've, I've just, I'm by and large, haven't been somebody who's had trouble with sleep, but when I do, I, I pay attention now. Oh, something's going on. What is this? And, and so I'm very aware of, of my sleep, mm. but the single biggest change is every week. I get to talk to some really cool, interesting person and ask them questions. That's amazing. I love that. I love when we, every now and again, come across a surprise guest of our show. Um, I'm wondering if your wife would like to ask a question or answer a question of how her life has changed since you have been hosting this show. Ooh. Well, I, I will tell you, uh, we got married, uh, well, we, we, we met in June of 2020 and got married in November of 21. And I'm not sure where in there the, the podcast started, but, um, I, I can, I can tell you the contents of our cupboard have changed dramatically. She was raised a vegetarian, uh, seventh day Adventist ah. and ate, um, she ate a high carb low meat diet um and so her, her she's changed a lot uh and, and she's incredibly supportive um i sometimes wonder if she would prefer some of her old stuff but uh she's she's in there with me she's eating meat like crazy and and uh she for all intents and purposes, she eats the way I do. Mm. She's incredibly supportive of the podcast. Um, we her desk is right there. We've got a we've got an office outside. We've got an office building in, in the backyard of our house. Um, so we both work from you know. I commute in my bare feet. Um, <laughs> uh, so she oftentimes is sitting right there during a podcast and, and gets to hear it all. And, and, uh, it's been, you know, she's been on the journey with me. It's That's really cool. cool. Wow. That's um, cool. she doesn't really fight me about any of the changes that 
I've asked for. She she's basically says yes, which is guys, you want a wife like that. Yeah, she's, what a sweetheart. I I I hit the jackpot when I found her. <laughs> if you are listening and not watching, you should see Jack Jack's face right now. Just completely lit up talking about his wife. Biggest smile of the episode. I I absolutely love it. Man, I could I could chat to you for hours. It's 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 so fun to catch up oh, with good you. Good lord. It's oh my we've been going. Can you believe Sorry. it? Can you believe it? Oh. It no, it's amazing. I you know, I I I it, the weirdest thing. I I remember in 2018, I remember writing things that I was good at or wanted to do and for no reason I put like podcasting. I wanted to do a podcast, but I was working this really busy corporate job, training people, trying to do nutrition coaching, giving people wrong information and it sucked. And eventually, you know, again, we started our company, we got to start a podcast and I got to go on this journey and I sit here in my second bedroom and I have conversations with people like you and experts all over the world, Chris Palmer, Dr. Seyfried, uh, you know, all these amazing people. And then I also get to talk to Hal Cranmer, changing lives in his assisted living facilities, a shared oh, yeah. guest we've Hal. had. Oh, incredible, oh. incredible. Incredible. I, I get to learn about people like Grace from your show. And I just, podcasting is something that's really special. And I get the sense that you understand that better than anybody. I've loved the journey that you guys have taken me <laughs> through. And I can't imagine what kind of impact you guys have put out in the world. Uh, again, I think any, any one of our listeners would know your show and would really appreciate it and really get lit up every Tuesday morning when we open up our podcasting app and see that there is a new episode of Stay Off My Operating Table. Love the work you guys are doing. I really appreciate your perspective coming on here and talking about what this show has done for you in your life. It's just, it's great to to chat with you again. Where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I do marketing and branding consulting. So my uh, website is cultyourbrand.com. Um, that's the best way to, to find me. I'm currently doing an episode that I'm calling Branding in the Dow, where I, I'm working through every chapter of the Dao De Ching. No way. Uh, and, uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm that weird. <sighs> um, and extracting... Uh, uh, branding lessons from the Tao Te Ching. And, and strangely enough, you know, with with the great um, generationally tested uh, uh, wisdom literature like the Tao, um, if we interact with it, oh, I would, I would, if you don't have um, Chris, um, or Stephen Mitchell's version of the Tao, I, I definitely I'm recommend writing that you. down. Stephen Mitchell, yeah. he said. Yeah, um, Stephen Mitchell did uh, this particular. I love his translation, and um, there's also beautiful illustrations. Uh, yeah, very, very, very worthwhile. But but as we allow ourselves to interact with, to get into dialogue with these with these time proven wisdom literature like the Tao Te Ching, like the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures. Um, I'm, my next uh, my next one is is going to be the Bhagavad Gita. Um, there's something that I cannot explain. I can only speculate about. But when we really allow ourselves to enter into a dialogue with this wisdom, it reveals things to us that we would have never guessed were there. I I I just love the Dow, so I thought, hmm, I wonder if the Dow's got anything to to say about branding. And I 
I, and I started reading it that way and then contemplating. And the Tao is just, you know, it's 81 or 82 bite-sized chapters that are, sometimes they're just crazy hard to understand. And sometimes it's blindingly obvious, but it's very profitable and fruitful. So if you sign up for whatever it is that I call it there on Quote Your Brand, uh, you get notified uh, of every time I, I drop a, uh, a new brief lesson generally every Wednesday morning. Um, um, so there'll be, I think there, I've done 13 so far. So there's nice. another 60 or so wow. uh, that I'll be doing. And, uh, you know, if you have a locally owned, locally operated business that you want to want to dominate your market, you might talk to me as well. Uh, you, your brand. you you told us before when we chatted that you were getting email campaigns with 50% open rates, which never, yeah. ever, ever happen. Like, if you're looking to expand your brand, you're, expand your brand, Jack is probably the person to talk to. Um, so I, I, hope, I hope people seek you out. We'll be sure to link that in the notes. We'll be sure to link the podcast in the notes as well. Um, again, thank you so very much for everything that you do. I really appreciate the content that you're putting out. I'm so grateful for you that you were able to help Phil and help Phil find his voice. He's now become such a prominent character in the low carbohydrate space, changing so many lives. And you're a huge part of that. And I would argue that you're a huge person in that space as well. So thank you. Well, that's, that's very kind. I, I doubt it, but it's, but <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll take it. It's anyway. true. Um, <laughs> thanks Casey. This has been a ball. It really has been. Thank you, Jack. I really, really appreciate hey. it. Yeah, it's been great. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so very much for continuing to listen to Boundless Body Radio. As 2023 has come to a close and we're starting another new year in 2024, I always try to reflect on not only the direction that we want to go in the future, but also how much we have grown in this last year. Our podcast has now generated well over 400,000 downloads from all over the world, and it's all thanks to fantastic listeners like yourself. I hope you are as excited for the new year as we are around here. The lineup of guests that we have coming up is absolutely staggering, and we're always striving to bring you the best content from the most amazing people in health, nutrition, and wellness. Remember that you can always head on over to our website to book a complimentary 30-minute session with us at myboundlessbody.com. On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can select a time to speak with us about your health and fitness plan, especially for the new year. We've absolutely loved chatting with so many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other and try to come up with plans to help you achieve specific goals. And seriously, I really do mean this. Even if it's just to say hello and introduce yourself, we absolutely love connecting with our listeners in the community. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well if you want to watch these full interviews and also shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these interviews. We've gotten really great feedback over there, and it's also a really fun way to interact with people who comment. We read and reply to every single YouTube comment we get, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and leave as many comments as you like to keep the conversation going. And of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to make sure that the podcast gets out to more listeners. Your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us here at Boundless Body and to support the podcast at Boundless Body Radio really only takes a moment and it's very meaningful to us. Cheers to 2024 and thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.